Today in Watching Your Wealth, what do women want from their financial advisors? This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Joe Duran is founder and chief executive of United Capital Financial Partners. Welcome, Joe. Hi. Happy to be here. Great to have you. So, Joe, more and more financial firms want women as their clients, and they see this as a huge opportunity for them. Tell us about that opportunity and why they find it so attractive. Well, uh, I think everyone would tell you that um, if women don't directly make the financial choices, they make it for the balance of people who think they do. (laughs) I love it. So, I mean, realistically speaking, uh, it's remarkable that our industry, even though it knows that the majority of wealth is now in women's hands, or at least in major part they're the, the deciding factor, our industry has been built by men for men and really doesn't cater to speaking about money in the terms that women do. They really view women as a category and pander to them rather than actually providing uh, solutions and systems that help women to really improve their lives uh, even though they are by far the most important category in the financial world. Indeed. We don't want everything pink, and we're going to get to some of those other uh, mistakes firms make in a second. But I just want to go back to the opportunity because I think women have more earning potential than ever, and not only are they making some of those financial decisions, there's going to be this huge transfer of wealth that we've spoken about in the past, and so a lot of that money is going to end up in the hands of women, isn't it? Well, it absolutely is, and not only that, they actually end up being, in the majority of households, the woman is the decision-maker when it comes to money, Mm -hmm. where it gets spent, how it gets spent, pays the bills. Of course, there are exceptions to that, but in the majority of households, they are the ones who make the financial decisions. Uh, Secondly, they are the ones who are ultimately going to live longer than men, generally. That's true. As many as eight years. So ultimately, they're in the position of having to be the ultimate decision makers of what's going to happen in the transfer of wealth to their children. They're going to spend eight years deciding where are things really going to end up. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, they are going to be in the workforce for longer. Uh, And that all of those variables mean, in essence, that you can't ignore the reality that women are a big part of the financial pie, whether independently or as part of a family. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another reason financial advisors shouldn't be alienating the, the wives in the, in the equation or the, the women who are also sitting at the table. They need to have a relationship with them, too. But that's we'll leave that to the financial advisors. What are some of the other misconceptions um, about women and wealth? I know your firm has studied that. So tell us about yeah, some of the we findings. Did a, we did an amazing study where we uh, gave uh, a collection of affluent women with dependents, most of whom were working, an app on their phone and ask them 10 times a day to post a video showing their frustration or their highlight. We ended up with close to 2,000 videos. We categorized those videos to see what were the turning points and the major lessons we could learn from women when it came to their life and money. And it actually was remarkably interesting in, in a few areas, but the one that was most impressive to me is really the, the reason that most women are frustrated in their lives is about maintaining very high standards for themselves. Oh, yeah, I believe And they get really annoyed. There's a great video of this woman annoyed about a lemon, 
she posts a picture of a lemon and she said, my husband called me to make dinner for his friends. And I said, of course, honey, I'm going to leave work and make dinner for you. Do me a favor, pick me up a lemon. The husband picks up a lemon and she turns the lemon over and she says, look at this lemon and it's completely deformed. And she says, I don't know if he hates me. I don't know if he's being passive aggressive. I asked for one thing, get me a lemon so I can garnish your dinner. And this is what he brings me. And what ultimately is the message? Women feel like they need to do things themselves if they're going to be done properly. Oh, interesting. That the kids don't make their beds right. The par- husbands don't clean the tables right. And they end up feeling constantly like they are the maintainers of standards in their household. Hmm. That's a lot of that, responsibility to take it's on. It's a lot of responsibility. And it means ultimately that they're incredibly squeezed for time, which is the second really big insight. That time is the most compressed and... Um, mismanaged aspect of their lives because in order to maintain those standards they feel like they have to do everything themselves and it requires all of their time and so they sacrifice their own needs constantly in order to maintain these standards that they've set for themselves. And, and that hurts their financial futures potentially because if you're, you're taking the time because you're caring for so many other people so well and maybe not taking the time to care for your own financial situation perhaps. Well, what we tell everyone is every human being has four things that they're constantly trading that are finite resources, time, energy, money, and standards. Men are very comfortable compromising standards. Her husband (laughs) was willing to pick up the fastest lemon they could to get his time back, probably the cheapest lemon he could to get out of there. Mm. And the wife would have taken time to find an organic lemon that looked beautiful and not be as concerned about price, but spend an extra 10 minutes finding the perfect lemon maybe. Because she wants to make sure it looks right. And that difference between men and women, it plays out in industry every day. Interesting. And so, so these are generalizations we want to say because I got to tell you, I, and there's no way I'm spending ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not spending. Picking a lemon. Right, right. Yeah, there's no way I'm spending ten minutes in the grocery store looking yeah. for a lemon. But yeah, I know what you're saying in terms of directionally. Um, so, give us some tips for fi- for female investors then. So, if you're operating under these assumptions that you are so stressed for time, what can the women do to make their lives easier and make their financial futures more of a priority? Well, I think the first thing you need to ask yourself is, if you're going to maintain these standards, which allow you to have a great family, allow you to be professionally capable and successful, it's really important that you have an advisor that understands what really matters to you. And what we find is most advisors are so focused on the investing that they're not helping their clients, female or male, to understand and prioritize what really matters. Mm. And so... Very often we work without asking ourselves, what do we work for? And I'll give you an example. The number one selected priority in our in, in, across our tens of thousands of clients is spending time with people we love. And very often an advisor is not going to sit down with you and say, look, their goal for most advisors is to make sure you die rich. <laughs> it's not to make sure you live rich. Mm. If your goal is to have your clients live rich, you're going to sit down and say, if it's important to spend time with people you love before your kids get too old, Take time to spend the weekends with them. Go on vacations now, even if it's putting your retirement at slightly pushing, deferring your retirement for a year or two. Women tend to be, I think accurately, more holistic in their view of what they want their financial life and their real life to look like. They tend to blend the two more often. But advisors are not trained to do that very often. Mm. So I think the first thing I would say to any person 
male or female, working with an advisor is ask the advisor how they're going to help you to prioritize your life and understand the role that money plays in it. The second, the goal of any advisor should be to actually be creating less work and removing concerns from your desk. Good point. So they need to be in the business of convenience. They shouldn't be in the business of saying, you must come and visit me four times a quarter to my office. Real drag. Frankly, you don't have the time or inclination. No way. No way. I think those days are over, right? (laughs) Of course. So they have to be able to video conference and give you communication and feedback, dynamic, all the time, in any way that is right for you. Nice. uh, And third, most important, advisors so often and I hate this part of our industry, ignore the female person in the relationship, even if she's the primary breadwinner. Mm. Uh, And there's no amount of tools or systems or or (laughs) pinkifying of things that change the fact that even if the person who is not the primary breadwinner, male or female, is not the big decision maker in the room, they still have a very loud voice outside of the location. So you can learn a lot by the very first meeting, how they interact with you, and whether they are dumbing things down or not. And I can tell you our research also showed women absolutely despise being treated as a category and really want to be treated as an individual first because we're all unique. There is no male or female thing. We are who we are. And our industry constantly does these really clumsy efforts (laughs) <laughs> thinking of individuals, oh, yeah. well, this is a male, this is a female, this is a black person or a white person. And the world is not, as you said, generalizations are just that. Mm-hmm. Nobody is, is an average person. Everyone is a unique person. So I'd say the three things just to recap. First, make sure that you work with an advisor who's looking at your entire life in its entirety and understanding the role of money. Two, make sure that they make your life convenient and easier and actually give you an updated balance sheet on demand and are there to work for you on your terms. And then third, make sure they don't treat you like a category and treat you as an individual with a complete and rich life of your own. If you follow those three things, hopefully you'll actually be more successful afterwards. I hope so. Great tips. Thank you so much, Joe. Sure, of course. And would you stick around and take our fun financial quiz? Of course, I'd love to. Great. You stick around, too. I'm Katie Hill. And I'm Quentin Fottrell. This is Too Many Markets and More, where we talk about the most fascinating personal finance stories of the week. The selfie now kills more people annually than sharks. 75% of Americans tip less than 20%. You want to collect Pikachu? Collect Pikachu. Oh, wait a minute. Right wait a cotton picking minute. What's so special about a Pikachu? For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And now look for us on the Google Play Music music app on Android devices. Money, markets, and more. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for United Capital's Joe Duran to take our fun financial quiz. Joe, you ready? Yes. All right. So, Joe, what's the best financial advice you ever heard? Life is the sum of your choices, so make smart ones. I love it. Worst financial advice? If you build it, they will come. Oh, smart for entrepreneurs to think about that. Fill in the blank. Money can buy? Peace of mind. Nice. Money can't buy? Happiness. True. If you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? 
Uh, this is going to sound cliche, but uh, I would give it to educating kids who can't afford to go to college. Oh, I love that. Not cliche at all. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Oh, of course. It was a pleasure. And our pleasure as well. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.